to look at something here, and then I'll kind of introduce what we're going to talk about here this morning. But in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, this is talking about Abraham and Sarah, okay? And I want to read a couple of verses here, and then we'll just kind of build on this right here. And Paul, of course, was the writer here at uh, the uh, scripture here that we're reading. Therefore, verse 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all seed, not only that which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now I want you to notice there it says, Abraham is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Okay? Talking about Abraham. Do you know the Lord called him a father of many nations before he had a child? <laughs> Think about that. And it says uh, in verse 18, Who against hope believed in hope. I don't want you to notice that phrase right there. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. You want to bring it up just a little bit there? And then it says in verse 23, Now it was not written for his sake alone, but uh, that it was imputed. It's written for our sake too. Amen? Now, what I want you to see right here is that God made a promise. God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah at their ripe old age that they were going to have a child. But not only were they going to have a child, they're going to become parents. Abraham was called, matter of fact, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And God put his initial in there. And he changed Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. And God put his initial in her name as well. And so Abraham, father of many nations, Sarah, princess, amen, mother of many nations. And, uh, you know, you just don't see people at 100 years old having kids. Are you with me? When was the last time you saw somebody in a nursing home giving birth? Are you with me? Just doesn't happen, right? Now, what, what I want to talk about today, when I just felt led of the Lord and praying, praying about this and just spending some time with the Lord, I want to talk about supernatural hope. I want to talk about supernatural hope. We talk a lot about faith, and that's vitally important because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you know, before faith, you have to have hope. Faith is the substance of things that you hope for, right? But I want to talk about supernatural hope 
because we're living in a day, we're living in a society, you know, and the Bible even says, we'll look at this in a minute, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Amen? And we're going to talk about that a little bit here, but it's so important that the day that we're living in right now that we begin to have supernatural hope. You know, it says in the book of Daniel, it's Brother Dan's book right here, that uh, the... Uh, it says, you know, concerning the Antichrist in the future, that one of the things he will do, he'll try to wear down the saints. Okay? Well, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth, right? And so the spirit of Antichrist just tries to wear people out. You know, that daily grind. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then looking at your calendar, looking at your clock and say, what I was trusting for hasn't come to pass yet. Right? And so there's a, there's a tendency to start to yield to spirit of hopelessness and giving up, quitting, and kind of simmering it down, the fire of God that's on the inside of you, you know. But I want to talk about and address that this morning here. Now, the message translation in verse 18, um, you don't have to turn there, Josh, I'm just going to read this. And it says this, when everything was hopeless, listen to this, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not to live on the basis of what he saw that he couldn't do, but on what God said he could do. So that he was made a father of multitude of people. God himself said, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. <laughs> Sounds like the children's Bible, amen? This I know when, I, when our kids were small, you know, we had this children's Bible. I think we probably still have it. It's in storage, you know. We keep some of that stuff, you know. And it says, God told Jonah, go down to Nineveh. Tell them they're doing bad things down there. <laughs> And tell them to repent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, we understand that, don't we? Little kid can understand that. But, uh, you know, it says, the verse 18 is what I want to focus on. Who against hope believed in hope. Let me put it to you this way. Who against natural hope believed in supernatural hope. And that's what I want to talk about today. Supernatural hope. The Bible even says, uh, I believe it's in, uh, I don't know if it's Romans or one of the, I know it's in the New Testament, I know that. It says that we have joy when we believe. I think it's in Romans. Does that sound familiar? Having joy, something like that about believing, we have joy, something that uh, that effect. Maybe one of you can find that scripture. Amen. I know that's a little vague, but you know. But there's joy when it comes to believing. Now it says right here, that who against natural hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. In fact, Abraham, uh, the, the promise didn't come a pass right away. He was 100 years old. Think about it. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was 90. Okay? And, uh, and they're just getting started. Amen? Now, when God changed their names and God changed her name and his name, it, the purpose behind that was to change their image of what they saw. To change their image of what they saw. And for, for any of us to have true change in our lives, we have to see the picture on the inside of us before we see it on the outside. And for In other words, for example, to receive physical healing, you have to see yourself healed first inside before you actually receive it. 
Are you with me? You have to see it. How many know what I'm talking about? It's called meditation. You dream and you have visions on the inside of you. You see yourself being successful according to the Word of God. And before you know it, you'll be walking in that. Amen? So Abraham, who against natural hope, believed in supernatural hope when he was 100 years old, and then Isaac was born. I wrote down here, the devil endeavors to dash people's hope by disappointing them. Okay? The devil, it's always the devil, endeavors to dash people's hope by disappointing them. Anybody here have been disappointed before? Okay? Man, we can let ourselves down even, right? Sometimes other people disappoint us, right? Sometimes we think God disappointed us, but He's faithful, right? And sometimes we can even disappoint ourselves. Are you with me? Matter of fact, forgiveness is on three different levels as well. You know, we know about forgiving other people, right? Uh, and then there's uh, people that have a hard time forgiving God. People blame God for things, right? And then thirdly, a lot of times people have trouble forgiving themselves. Yes, God will forgive a person, but can that person forgive themselves for what they did or didn't do? Are you with me? And so it's just important that we walk and understand these things according to the scriptures. Amen? I wrote down here that positive Bible hope is a positive, what is hope? Bible hope is a positive expectation of a certain outcome in any situation. So again, Bible hope is a positive expectation of a certain outcome in any situation. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, but it expects it to come to pass. Amen? Now, we use, we use the phrase sometime, you know, uh, you know uh, well, I hope so. You know, well, there's sort of an air of doubt about that, right? Right? But hope, hope always has to do with the future. Faith has to do with right now, right? But sometimes we've made hope out to be a dirty word. But actually, you can't have any faith until you first have hope. Okay? And, uh, and they both come from the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go over to Proverbs. I, I was quoting this before. Let's go over there real quick to Proverbs chapter 13. And I want you to see verse 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Have you ever heard the phrase before people say, don't get your hopes up? We call those wet blanket Christians. Right? <laughs> don't get your hopes up. You just never know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you know, you know, we know from the scriptures, if you're, if you're in the word of God, you find out it's God's will to touch people physically. Right? To heal people. Right? But if someone teaches... Someone comes along and says, well, you never know what God's going to do. Sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. You may, be, you may be the one, you may not be the one. Well, that doesn't put any confidence for you to receive. Okay? Well, that's like saying, you never know if God's going to save a person. Right? Well, we know from the scripture, it's God's will that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Are you with me? And so there's no, there's no question about that. But why is it those other areas that people throw a question mark there and so it keeps people kind of in limbo, you know, where they're not able to really fully grasp and believe. Now, this scripture here, 
is uh, Proverbs 13, 12. Um, hold on one second here. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Notice that. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Praise God. Say tree of life. Okay, where have we seen that phrase before? Well, we see it in the Garden of Eden, right? But Proverbs also says that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Well, what's a wholesome tongue? A, a tongue that says what God says, what His Word says. So this is one of the biggest ways we can get our hopes up is by speaking what God says already in His Word. And it's a tree of life. It'll, it'll build hope, supernatural hope on the inside of us. Amen? Amen? I heard one preacher say, I'm a hope peddler instead of a dope peddler. Amen? And so we want to give people supernatural hope. No matter what your situation is, no matter how dark it looks, no matter how bad it looks, in God there's always hope for that thing to change. I'm not talking about up there in the sweet by and by in heaven. I'm, not, I'm talking about now in the sweet here and now on the earth. God wants to change things here now on the earth. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to read the, the message translation of this same verse right here. If you want to bring it up, Josh, in the message, uh, Proverbs 13, 12. Uh, and it says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Isn't that good? Say, get your hopes up. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's time to get our hopes up. Glory to God. It gives God something to work with right here. Now let's go to, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about hope for a minute. One of the other definitions of, uh, of hope, it's, it's like a blueprint. Okay? Now the blueprint's not the real thing. You know, if you build a house, there's a set of blueprints that are created prior to that house being built. Are you with me now? I was thinking about this this morning. My mom's over here, you know, and, and where, we, where we lived, the last place that we lived, you know, uh, we had moved there as little, uh, when I was probably seven or eight years old. And when you went down the basement stairs, there was an area under the stairs. It was a uh, storage area, okay? Remember that door that slid over there? And, you know, we got to looking around, as my sister and I, we got to looking around in there and found some stuff that the previous owner left in there. You know, we're like, oh, look at this, you know. And then we saw these big, like, scroll-type things. We're like, what is this? Is this like a pirate's treasure map or something, you know? <laughs> but come to find out, it was blueprints for the house that was already, like, 90 years old. Something like that, you know? And so... Uh, I had never come across that. I was young. I didn't understand what that meant. But my dad said, those are blueprints for the house. You know what I mean? So we kind of unraveled them. You could see the, uh, the stuff that they were, you know, on paper that they eventually created, right? Well, you might say that hope is like the blueprint. It's the vision for what you want to build, okay? But then faith comes along, takes some tools, and starts putting to get some raw material and putting together what's on that hope blueprint. Are you with me now? And the Word of God is like, produces hope. It's a blueprint 
for us in any, any area of life. And, and it's the Word of God that creates a picture and anticipation. Hope, Bible hope has an expectation. It's not like, I hope so. Usually when people say that, there's, there's, the, um, there's like, well, it may or it may not. You know what I'm saying? That's not Bible hope. Bible hope is that I see it in the Word that gives a clear picture on the inside of me. And what he said in his Word, I believe that. That's my destination. I'm heading in that direction. Okay? It's like, for example, if somebody contacted you and said, you know, I'm going to come over this afternoon. I have a gift for you. Can I bring it to your house? Okay? And so, uh, and you know, you set up a time and so forth. You say it's 3 o'clock. And, uh, you know, it's 2 o'clock, 2.30, you know. And by the time it, you're getting close to 3 o'clock, you're starting to look out the door. You're starting to look out the window. You're making things ready in the house because somebody's coming over to give you something. Are you with me? What is that? That's an expectation. That's a hope. They put their word out, and as they put their word out, they're going to be there any minute. Now, you don't see them yet. You don't hear them yet. You're not having a conversation, but you have an expectation that any minute they're going to show up. Before you know it, they knock on the door and you let them in. Okay? Now that hope becomes faith. It's got some substance to it, right? You're not just talking about it. You're in the reality of it right now. Praise God. So I think it's just important. I, I, you know, I've taught a lot through the years on the subject of faith, and I will continue to do that as the Lord wants us to, you know. But I feel like the Lord wants to infuse some supernatural hope to us. We're going to spend some time on this series. You know, I don't know how long. But we're going to talk about things that can build your hope and build your, you know, an expectation. Amen? Just a, a, an, ex, an expectation of something good happening, right? Praise the Lord. How many of you know there's such a thing as a wrong, an evil expectation? And that can bring evil into your life. In other words, that's like faith in the wrong direction. Are you with me now? And you can have, and we call that fear, Right? This thing hasn't happened yet, but there's, a, there's this thought, there's image of the future of something bad happening, and that's always fear, right? And, uh, and that can, if, if, as, as a human being, people can get developed in fear where it actually brings that thing they feared, like Job uh, 3.25. Concerning Job, he said, the thing, that I, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me, Okay? So that gives us kind of a hint, an idea of where the door opened up. Now, most Bible scholars agree that Job's testing and trials only lasted nine months. Amen? And then God gave Job twice what he lost. Amen? It says in the book of James that we're to consider the end of Job, not the beginning. But most people consider the beginning. I've talked to people through the years, and you know, they have a couple hard things happen. And they'll say things like, I just feel like a Job. I say, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Sitting at the traffic light too long. Oh, I just feel like Job. No, that's not, you know. Right? Um, fear will open up the door for bad things to happen to us. We have authority. <laughs> By the way, we have authority over, I say we have authority over fear complete authority. 
The enemy likes to come sometimes in the middle of the night, put evil thoughts and dreams and things like that in your, in your head about your future. And you, you just have to rise up and say, oh, no, you don't. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? Now, uh, a wrongful expectation is hope in the wrong direction. It's an expectation of something bad happening. Okay? Let me give you an example, um, a real true life example. I, uh, years ago, we had a minister come to our church. You know, he still travels, I believe. You know, his name was Joseph Morris. Okay? And, uh, and you know, he would make, about once a year, he'd make a trip through this area, and we'd have a minister in our church. This is years ago in our first church that we pastored. And uh, so we got to be kind of good friends, you know. We'd spend time together and go out to eat, you know. This is when the kids were, like, real small, you know. And, um, and I remember talking with him, and he had ministered along this line. And we talked about it personally. He said that somebody that he knew in a church that he was in uh, was going to get married, okay. This young woman was going to get married, and so, you know, they, uh, they asked him if he ever did, you know, wedding ceremonies. Now, normally pastors will do that right? They marry and they bury and so forth, right? But they asked, they asked this traveling minister, Joe Morris, he was not a pastor, if he would do their wedding ceremony. They just felt like they wanted to ask him. So he prayed about it and felt, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, you know. And they set up a time and he says, uh, but we have to have some, you know, a couple of counseling sessions before we say I do, right? And so uh, they met and the first time that they met, now I didn't hear this through another person, I heard it from him personally, Okay, it wasn't through the grapevine, it was through the vine. Okay, it was through him. And this, this girl, she was a believer, she was a Christian, but she goes, uh, after they had their first session, you know, and they went through some stuff, she goes, I have something just kind of weird, I wanted to run it by you. She goes, I just keep having, she was talking to Joe, and she said, I just have, keep having this, this weird impression that I'm going to either break my ankle or twist my ankle or something, and I'm not going to be able to walk down the aisle at my wedding, okay? And of course, Joe being the man of God that he was, saying, he goes, well, we know where that thought came from. It came from the devil, right? He said, let's take authority. He thought that was the last of that, but the next time they met again, for the second time they met, sat down, she brought it up again. This happened, I think, about three different times, right? Now, the girl's totally normal. She can run, she can walk, she's young, vibrant, you know? And uh, lo and behold, the, the day came when they were going to get married, right before the wedding. She fell and she broke her ankle. Okay? And uh, you might say, well, that was just circumstances. Well, was it really? Well, an evil expectation, the Bible calls it evil foreboding. So, in other words, that's faith and hope in the wrong area, in the negative. Like, I know something bad's going to happen. I just know. And what happens is you end up prophesying it in a reverse way, and that negative bad thing comes upon you. You think, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. But the thing is, that fear opened up the door for the enemy to come in. Right? Now, that girl could have shut the door on the devil. She could have shut the door on fear, but she didn't. Okay? And a lot of believers are not taught correctly in this area. And they think just every thought that comes down the pike, you know, they just, well, you know, I don't know where that's coming from. But see, we have to measure, we have to be very guarded in our thinking. Because Satan does not appear to you in a red suit and a pitchfork and horns. 
if he's going to attack. Has that, has that happened to anybody here? Not me. Okay. But the Bible says Satan is more subtle than any beast of the field. And I submit this to you. The primary way, the primary way that the enemy influences even believers is by speaking to them through a thought. Through a thought. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So you could be just going about your business, minding your own business. You could be sitting in church right now and you get this evil thought that comes to you, this negative, fearful thought that comes to you and you're thinking, oh God, why am I thinking on that? Well, if the enemy can get you to take ownership of that thought, thinking that's really spawning from you, then first of all, he'll condemn you. Amen? When I was, when I was first saved as a, as a young Christian, I was saved as a 16-year-old teenager in my Methodist youth camp. Isn't that right, Mom? And a, a year or two after that, I started, and I loved God, and I still do, but I started getting, it's never happened to me before, I started getting these vile thoughts about God in my mind, things I wouldn't even repeat. And I thought, oh my God, why am I thinking these thoughts? You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you before, but oh my God, it was just, it tormented me. I'd be just going along, you know, and I'd get this, oh, where's that thought again? And I thought, now this is before I knew better, okay? Now eventually I was taught correctly in the, you know, the truth will set you free when you get the truth. I did not realize that that's the Satan's main arsenal is thoughts, evil thoughts, negative thoughts. In other words, fear-filled thoughts. Okay? Two years later, I got in a good Bible-based church. Same graduate that came from the same Bible school I came from. That was our, that's where my wife and I were. We met. Okay? And he began to teach. I was so new at this. He began to teach how that, you know, that Satan mainly attacks through the thought realm. He brings negative, evil thoughts into your mind. And if he can get you to accept that thought, then he has you. Okay? Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not natural or carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Now when the, when the pastor taught like that, it just set me free. I'm like, that wasn't my thought. Because, I, first of all, I felt condemnation because I'm thinking, oh my God, if I love God, why am I thinking that those, those you know, blasphemous things towards the Lord in my mind? Are you with me? Then I realized that wasn't me. That was the enemy putting that in my mind. Are you with me? And, uh, and then I realized, you lying devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. Amen? And so if that, that would happen again, if that would happen again, I knew where that was coming from, right? And so the enemy, we have to know the difference. How do you know, how do you know when the devil, when Satan or demons are talking to you? How do you know? They don't appear to you. I can tell you this, when they're talking to you, you're going to feel fear. You're going to feel afraid. Are you with me? Uh, and then right away, you've caught the thief. You know exactly, oh, wait a second, I just had a fearful thought. 
okay? So you know where that's coming from. Now, how do you know when the Lord's talking to you? When God's talking to you, you have peace, first and foremost. When His voice speaks, when the Lord would appear to the disciples, He would say, peace. Amen? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Amen? Believe in God. Believe also in me. Hallelujah. There's peace when He comes and He begins to talk to you. Okay? Um, so let's go over to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And it says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that see that in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is. Say that together. Now faith is. Now both now and is or like it's like a sandwich okay you got three words now faith is you got faith in the middle on either side of that you have now and is so faith is always present tense right now but it says right here now faith is the substance of things hoped for but it's the evidence of things not seen let me read to the amplified the classic uh, Amplified Bible here it says now faith I love this now faith is the assurance the confirmation the title deed oh I like that all the things we hope for now I want you to see that first part right there that faith is the confirmation excuse me faith is the title deed does everybody know what a title deed is? Did you ever pay a car off before or something off before? You know what a title deed looks like? And the bank sends you that piece of paper that they previously owned, right? Once you pay that last payment off and you get that note, that's proof of ownership. Amen? So faith or the word is the title deed. This book right here is the title deed of everything that belongs to you as a believer proof of ownership. Praise the Lord. Now let me give, give you an example. If I had let's just say a, a big, one of those big RVs or motor homes, okay? Let's just say I had a, a fairly new motor home. You know, 30 foot long, you know, you can travel around in it and so forth, right? And let's say you've never seen that before. But all of a sudden, I want to give to you. Now picture yourself this way. I want to give you that motor home. And you're like, wow, that's pretty awesome. But I just happen to have the uh, title deed with me, piece of paper. That's all it is, which means proof of ownership. Now, you haven't seen the RV yet. You haven't seen the motor home yet. But I, 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 you can sign it and turn it over to someone. And so I sign it. I turn it over to you. Just picture yourself there, right? And, uh, and I give that title deed to you. Now, you haven't seen the motorhome yet, and uh, it may not be delivered for another week. But in your mind, you're like, I have a motorhome, right? And you talk to some of your friends, your family, you call them and say, I got a motorhome. Well, is it sitting in your driveway? No, not yet, but I have the title deed, okay? Well, we understand that, don't we? Because the title deed means it's proof that you own it. Your eyes haven't even seen it yet. You haven't even felt the steering wheel yet. 
but you know it's yours. Okay? Now that's exactly what the word faith is a byproduct of the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we want faith, all we have to do is read the word. Faith comes automatically. We read the word, the Bible. Faith automatically comes. But faith is like the title deed of the things that we hope for. Okay? Now go to... Yeah, that's Isaiah chapter 51. Let's go there real quick here. Isaiah chapter 51. Now, I'm going to kind of build on this phrase here in the closing today that, you know, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope. Okay? He, against natural hope, natural hope was saying, You're too old to have a kid. Your wife is too old to have a baby. Forget it. It's too late. But the Bible says Abraham considered not his own body being dead. Now, that didn't mean, you know, six foot under. It just means his reproductive organs, right? He didn't consider his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. They couldn't even have kids when they were younger. Okay? Now, as they trusted the Lord, they had, there was a natural hope that was, wasn't there. But God gave them a supernatural hope. And what did they have? They had God's word. The Lord said, you're going to have, you're going to be the father of many nations. You know, change his name, like I said, you know. And, uh, and when he heard Abraham, he heard, didn't just hurt Abraham, he heard father of many nations. Sarah, mother of many nations. Glory to God. And it says, Abraham considered not his own body. Well, I guess to believe God, you have to not consider the natural. Okay? Because there's no way, if you looked at his body, say, this old man ain't having no kids. My wife, she ain't having no, no babies. Okay? But we know what happened when they started to believe God. Not only did she have the power you know, the Bible says that Sarah considered God faithful and she conceived. When she meditated on the faithfulness of God, what he said, in spite of her own natural body, she was able to conceive. Not only that, but God reversed the aging process. How many of you could love some of that? Okay. How would you like to go back about 25 years? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it got to the point where God reversed their, their, their natural age, even though they were 100 years old, 90 years old. It got to the point where God renewed their youth so much, like the Bible says, He'll renew your youth like the eagles, that other kings were wanting Abraham's wife. Said, who's that woman you're with? You know what I'm saying? That's in the Bible. Amen. The Bible says that God, in Psalms 103, it says He renews our youth with good things, so that our mouth, our mouth, He re, how's it go? Is he He renews? How's it go, Lynn? He, okay. um, he renews our youth like the eagles. He satisfies our mouth with good things, so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. That's what it says. He satisfies our mouth. 
with good things. Now that would have to do with not just what you're ingesting. Because if you're 100 years old, no matter what you eat, that's not going to make you get younger per se. But God says, I'll satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, right? So what we say, now can you handle this this morning? Can you all handle this? This is Bible. It says that, it says in Proverbs that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It doesn't say death and life are in the power of God or the devil. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Proverbs it says that. We're either speaking death words or life words. And we want to use words to work for us and not against us. Oh, there you go, Pastor. That blab it and grab it, name it and claim it bunch. Listen, the Bible teaches you can have what you say if you believe it in your heart. But there's a lot of unbelieving believers that don't believe this stuff. They think you can just talk any way you want. You know, you can talk sickness and disease and poverty and tragedy and all this kind of stuff. Just talk it, talk it, talk it. Like it's, you know, like it's not going to affect you. It will affect. Right? But spiritually mature people will grab onto the responsibility and say, well, no, wait a second. God says, I put before you death and life, blessing and cursing. Choose, therefore, in Deuteronomy chapter 30. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and you choose. Amen? So when you choose life and you choose what words, the Word says, you're choosing the Bible, the Word of God. Okay? Now, in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1, the Scripture teaches us right here, it's talking about Abraham and Sarah. It says, Hearken unto me, you that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn or quarried, and to the hole and the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Can you see it? the clear picture of this, that we're to actually look unto Abraham. We are the children. We're Abraham's seed. Glory to God. I know you've never heard this scripture before, but in Galatians 3.13 it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's me and you. And it says in 29, that if you read further out, it says, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So what God promised Abraham belongs to us. Amen? Well, it says right here in Psalm 50, or Isaiah 51, it says, look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah. In other words, you're from the same rock now, over in Israel, you know, when Solomon built the first temple, right, the very first temple that God instructed him to build, you know, there was a lot of stone there, okay? And so, they had to get it from somewhere. somewhere. And so, if there's a place over there called Hezekiah's Tunnel, you know, and that's where they quarried out. In other words, these, and this is, this is without the big, you know, machinery and stuff. They did it by hand. Think about that. 
massive amounts of stone, big stone that they used to build the temple. Right? No wonder it took all those years. Okay? Because they didn't have the machinery and the lifting stuff that we have today. It was just bare hands and tools. Right? And, it, you know, and those caves were created as a result. They're still there to this day in Hezekiah's tunnel in that area. Massive tunnel system underneath Jerusalem. And the reason that it's there is because Solomon quarried that out. Because, you know, if you're going to quarry a stone that's three or four tons, you don't want to go five miles down the road. You want to be as close as possible. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? And so they, they would take year after year, they would dig that out there. And, and he's saying that Abraham and Sarah were from the same cloth. We're cut from the same cloth, as you will, right? And Abraham was called the father of faith, the father of us all. As a matter of fact, I know that people that have been to heaven, Jesse Duplantis, his testimony, and others that I've heard that went to heaven, the first person you're going to meet when you go to heaven is Abraham. First person. Not Jesus, Abraham. <laughs> right? Praise the Lord. And then you'll meet the rest. But Abraham is the father. If you go back upstream, that's where it all started. He is the father of our faith. That's why it says, look unto Abraham. Look unto Sarah. Study them. That's what we're doing today. What did they do that got them what they received from the Lord? They didn't consider the natural. They considered God's word. Now, the natural may be that you have, I've had this myself through the years, you get a doctor's report that says, this is not curable. This can't change from the natural. Okay? Right? In my case, I had a, a brain surgeon one time say, you're going to have to have brain surgery, right? Well, his word against this word right here. Okay? I am not negating or downplaying uh, people going to doctors. There's nothing wrong with that. If God leads a person in that direction, by all means. Amen? But long story short, I, I inquired the Lord about that. I had to inquire Him about that. Lord, what, what would you have me to do here? Do you want me to go ahead and have surgery? Do you want, you know? I mean, they had me all signed up. They're ready to go. They're picking dates for me, right? Are you with me? And, uh, uh, make a long story real short I'm not crazy okay but the Lord spoke to my heart and says I have got you covered you don't have to have this it'll be alright okay well that was nine years ago okay and um, but I had a choice fear was saying fear was talking to me like you wouldn't believe amen matter of fact, when I was coming home, when I was coming home from that report there at uh, Presbyterian Hospital in Oakland of the leading brain surgeon and one of the leading brain surgeons in Pittsburgh, and I mean, they're trying to sign me up. We got a date here. It's open. You need to get in here, you know, and so forth. I said, all I said was, give me a few days before I give you an answer, okay? They tried to push me into it, right? And, um, and so, you know, we had I was with Lynn and the kids, and we we're coming home from the hospital, driving home, coming through on Route 19 through Mount Lebanon. And uh, this had never happened before. And I'm just pondering and thinking about all this, you know, and, you know, a lot to think about here, right? 
and I'm coming through Mount Lebanon, and uh, and I'd never seen this before. But there was an apartment complex. There's several there. There's apartment complexes right in this the heart of downtown uh, Mount Lebanon, right? And uh, you know, Brother Dan, from being up in that area, and they were they were carrying somebody out in a uh, um, a uh, a body bag. Somebody had passed away, and they're carrying them out of the apartment. And I'm sitting at a red light because we're stalled. And the devil spoke to me. How do you know the devil? Because it was a thought. And the devil said, you'll be next. Okay? Now, I'd never had that happen before. I'd never seen that before. But they're bringing out of somebody died in their apartment complex. I don't know who it was, but they, they were bringing them out to take them away. Okay? As they do. And I thought to myself, I almost laughed. Amen? Say, ha, ha. <laughs> Sometimes you got to laugh at the enemy, what he tries to do. All right? And when we got home that night, you know, we were listening to the Word of God, praying with each other, talking with each other. And uh, what seemed logistic at the time to go through with that, I had a check in my spirit that said, don't do it. You're going to be okay. Well, you know what? I listened to that, and I was okay. Now, I had the natural right here on the one side, but I had God's Word on the other hand. See, we need to, we need to seek God with every situation and every crisis of life, and that, no matter what we face in this life, we need to tune in. What is God saying to me right now? What is He trying to say to me? And listen to Him, Okay? And when we listen to him, just like Abraham and Sarah, it says they considered not their own bodies dead. Amen? But the devil always tries to give you the worst case scenario. Right? I know when Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, my spiritual father, when he was healed of uh, three different, I mean, major diseases, you know, they didn't expect him to live past the age of 16. Okay? And he was raised up from a deathbed at the age of 16. And, uh, you know, he said uh, he was bedfast for, what, eight, nine months, something like that, almost a year. He, was, he couldn't get out of bed. He was paralyzed. He had a heart, a heart disease, a problem, blood disease, or all kind of major problems. And uh, when um, he shared his testimony, you know, and some of the things he said was, he goes, I, before, you know, he tried to find somebody that would believe God. And he said one of the ministers that he knew came in and, and just patted him on the head and said, son, it won't be long, you know, and gave him his last rites. Right? And so this is a minister. He wasn't preparing him for living. He was preparing him for death. 16 years old, Okay. And he said after the guy left, he just cried and cried and cried, you know. And, but then the Lord began to lead him through the Word of God to Mark chapter 11. Amen? Supernatural. Supernatural. But he says, you know, he had to deal with thoughts because he said he would sit there in his bed. He had nowhere else to go. You know, if you're bed fast, you're, you've got to stay there. You can't walk. He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. And as he would lay there, he said he would envision himself, you know, you know, being buried. He would see it. He would see himself. You know, they would lower the casket down, six foot, throwing the dirt on top of it. He said he would see this. And he said, and then 
you know, then fall would come and see the leaves fall on top. You know, he went through this whole scenario, you know. And then the Lord began to change his image to see himself as living, not as dying. Amen. And he got healed on Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. That's how he got healed. 16 years old. Didn't have anybody teaching him. His own pastor that, that came to him said, Son, it'll be over in a few days. You'll be gone. You know what I mean? Uh, how many of you ever heard his testimony before? I mean, it's so powerful. You can find it on YouTube. And, uh, but let me tell you something. He got a hold of Mark chapter 11 where Jesus said, What sort of things you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Right? And he didn't, no one taught him this. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God said, well, if you believed, you're healed, you know. I'm kind of making a long story short, you know. He's thinking to himself, well, what do, what do well people do on a morning? Well, they get up and they do, go do something, right? Now, his grandfather lived with them too, all right. He said he was a man of so few words. If he spoke, you're like, well, that's a rare thing. Long story short, the Lord touched him. And he got his clothes and so forth ready and prepared, you know. And he said, uh, he says, I want to announce before heaven. I want to announce before hell in the name of Jesus. I believe I'm healed according to the word of God. I believe I receive. And he, he said he threw his legs over the bed. He said they were like two clubs. There was no feeling in them whatsoever. But he said when he said those words and he lifted up his voice he said father i thank you right now he said it was like warm honey poured over his head went down he said he felt tingling all through his body it went from his head all the way down and for the first time he had feeling in his legs okay now he hasn't walked in walked in almost a year he's paralyzed right he said he felt his legs he could feel them there's no numbness there and the the power of god went down through him he, he was able to stand up on his own in his bedroom there in McKinney, Texas and walk. He was able to walk for the first time and he walked down and he saw his grandfather sitting at the breakfast table eating breakfast and he's a man of few words. He says, he looks up and he says, has the dead been raised? Has Lazarus come forth? That's all he said. And he said, Yes, grandfather, the Lord healed me. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I'm talking more than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, you want to hear about it? <laughs> Amen. Now, Kenneth Hagin, you know, he went home to be with the Lord in 2003, okay? But his ministry impacted and still is the entire globe, every inhabited continent, and the students, the rain, I'm a product of it, but we're both a product of his ministry, right? Think about his hopeless situation, how hopeless he was. The doctors had given up on him. The pastor had given up on him. Most people would have thrown the towel and said, forget it, I'm leaving this earth in a couple of days. But what happened is that God began to give him, there was a fight on the end, because you know, nobody that's 16 years old wants to die, you're just getting started, right? There's a fight that the Lord put on the inside of him, said, no, there's got to be more. And thank God, he said, I was reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, 
It was from his grandmother, right? He said, I got healed from reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. And then the Lord, after he raised him up, called him into the ministry. He says, and the Lord appeared to him and said, go teach my people faith. That was a commission by God. Go teach my people faith. And the Lord said, I've permitted you to go through certain things so that I could teach you, so that you could teach other people how to receive divine healing. And there was untold thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were healed underneath the ministry of Kenneth E. Hagin. And it's never stopped because you still have audio, video, books, and people to this day are still receiving their healing because of reading that material. No wonder the devil wants to come along and put a person's name out there to blacklist them and say, you know, if you type in anybody that's doing anything for God on the internet, guess what's going to pop up? Bad news about them. Do a search, you know what I mean? Like, oh, Kenneth Hagin. Guess what's going to pop up? False prophet. False this, false that. Kenneth Copeland, same thing. Okay? Now, these are human beings like any. They're not perfect in the flesh, right? But they were used of God. Amen? And uh, so if you've made that list, you're probably in good standing with the Lord. If you're being criticized like that, you know? And, uh, but you know what? If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be talked about. Put, people, put on people's blacklist. You, know, you better stay away from them. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you something. We're after results. We want to get results from God's Word, right? Now, Kenneth, he received, first of all, hope. And I'll close here with this. He received hope from God's Word that I can be healed. He was reading through the New Testament where people got healed, the woman with the issue of blood and so forth, and others, you know, that we read about. And that gives us a, that's what testimonies do. Testimonies inspire people, gives them hope so that they can tap in. Even the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, well, someone came to her. Someone had to tell her about Jesus, or how would she know to even go to him in Mark chapter 5? Are you with me? And, uh, well, before she had faith, she had to have hope. So she had heard of others, maybe similar situations. As many as touched them were made whole, the Bible says. So she created a blueprint in her heart and in her mind. She said, she kept saying, the Amplified says, if I, she, she just kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I can just touch, if I can just touch. She kept repeating it over and over again. And that was her blueprint found out where Jesus was in that location and she made every effort although it was tough to get to where he was and so the thing that she hoped for when she touched his heart, the hem of his garment now the faith made that possible she was healed of that, that uh, uh, blood disease 12 long years amen she had an issue of blood for 12 years And immediately she was healed when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Those tassels that hung down. Right? His robe. And when she touched it, boy, she felt in her body that she was healed. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. Well, 
There was enough things there to really discourage. She had the doc. She spent all that she had. We'll take a look at that down the road here. But she spent all of her money on the physicians, thinking maybe they can help me. Maybe this doctor can. Maybe that doctor can. She spent all of her life savings on doctors. She only got worse. So not only did she get broke, she had the Levitical law saying at that time, if you had, if a woman had an issue of blood, they could, they were in the same category as a leper. They couldn't be caught in public under Levitical law, or they could be stoned. Well, she had to fight through the press. She had to fight through the discouragement. She had to fight through the weakness, and she got to where Jesus was. And that hope built a blueprint on the inside of her and that's what the word's supposed to do even today. Build a blueprint of, there's an expectation here. Amen? Okay, so there's nothing wrong with saying, and I encourage you to do so, to begin to declare. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Okay? So if we want a tree of life working on our behalf, we need to start making declarations privately each day saying, I just believe today, Father's going to be, a, this is going to be a glorious day. I thank you that your goodness, and we're talking scripture here, goodness and mercy are going to follow me according to Psalm 23 today. Oh, I believe that everywhere I go, good things are happening. Blessings are chasing me down. Good things are happening today. Now that might be real foreign to the way you think. It was for me. But you can get used to it. Get used to being blessed. Get used to having favor. Oh, just people take advantage of me everywhere I go. Is that what you expect? Right? I don't expect that. I expect good things. I expect favor. Because the Bible promises us these things. So we have to let this word get into our thinking and create a new picture on the canvas of our minds so that we can begin to walk in a greater realm of God's glory and God's blessings. You see, the devil has endeavored in these last days that we're living in right now, these days that we're living in. I believe before Jesus comes back and catches the church away, there's a great glory that's going to take place in this earth. And it's been prophesied for 40-some years. There's going to be a great glory that's going to take place. Not this... You know, it's going to get so bad and you can't even walk out your door. Listen, the glory of God is going to get so strong in this earth and we're going to be a part of that. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting that. The greater glory. Hallelujah. And what we expect has a way of finding its way to us. Hallelujah. I expect to have favor everywhere I go. Amen. Pray if something good's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. <laughs> Amen. And all of us need to have that kind of mindset, to have a positive, godly expectation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Father, we thank you today for building supernatural hope on the inside of us. And Lord, where, where we may have lost hope, not even realizing it, where we've let discouragement come in, despondency, lack of effort, sometimes not even realizing we've done it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a mighty change in this area.
changed by the power of God. That you are going to change the way we think. The way we think and what we meditate on in our minds. Thank you that you've given us your word to change and alter the way that we think, Lord. Lord, when you said that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Father, you gave us your word so that we can think like you. We're not left helpless. We're not left without your word, Father. Your word is our answer, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for helping us think correctly. As we walk out of this place here today, Father, we thank you for transforming and shifting the way that we think to have a godly expectation, a Bible hope of good things coming to our family, good things coming to our children, good things coming to our finances, good things coming, yes, to our future. Because you, Lord, are the God of all hope. That's what your word says, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord. We yield ourselves to you, the God of all hope, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and thank you. Let's just thank him right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you. And, and, uh, you got something? Um, praise God. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. And we thank you, Father God, the word has been sown, Father. I thank you that you are the deliverer. I thank you, Father God, that your word has gone forth and will not become void, Father. It is producing, Father, in the lives of all the hearers this day, Lord. I thank you for the greater one rising up on the inside of them, Father God, strengthening them refreshing them, healing them, delivering them, Father, giving them this yes, hope Lord. in the name of Jesus, yes. Father God. We cover Lord. them. We stand with every brother and sister in the sound of my voice right now, Lord. And I thank you for helping them, for your mercy to cover them, Lord, that they'll see you as a good God and they'll know that it's a devil that is bad. I thank you for revealing your goodness and your mercy to them this day. And we trust you, Father God for your peace, your peace, a supernatural peace that they've not walked in up to this point, Lord. Thank you for covering their thoughts, their minds, their families, their houses in the name and in the blood of Jesus, Father God. And we look to you, God, to help them, to strengthen them because you care about them, Father. They are accepted in the beloved. I'm so thankful, Father God, to be accepted by you. It doesn't matter if somebody doesn't accept us, Lord, but we are accepted in you. And that's all that matters, Father. So I just thank you for strengthening us this day and for giving us further revelation and opening up the yes, eyes Lord. of our understanding yes, this Lord. moment that will not be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's been good to be here today. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.